Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message, which is brought to you by Pastor Todd Roberts. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Good morning, church. Well, it is uh, good to be with you this morning. I want to reiterate what Ian is saying about Kaylin. Uh, we are so happy to have her here. Uh, we've obviously been tracking with her as she has been you know, raising support and just kind of preparing to move uh, internationally. Obviously, that's what my uh, what Lauren and I did all the way back in 2004 when we initially moved to Africa, and then we did it again when we moved here in 2007. It is a big deal to say goodbye to the country you grew up in, to your friends and family, and to travel around the world and, and, and uh, integrate yourself into a whole new culture, a whole new way of living. So she's going to be a massive blessing to our church. I want to encourage you, if you haven't met her yet, please go introduce yourself, have her over for coffee, have her over for a meal. She is going to be a blessing to, uh, to our church and to your life, all right? Well, this past week, I uh, came across uh, some photos of myself from November of 2019. Remember 2019? When life was just blissful, there was just, you know, we, 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 we just floated around on a cloud of sunshine. There's no worries, no global pandemic to worry about. Everything was just fine and dandy. Remember that? Do you kind of just sort of long for those days to come again? I mean, I, I, I was looking at myself in those photos and I just thought, oh, buddy. You have no idea of the storm that's about to crash into your life, and you think your life is challenging now? Just wait three or four months, and uh, uh, your whole life and life of the, everyone around you, your whole world is going to be turned upside down. And, uh, uh, you know, if, I, if you had told my past self about what was about to come, I'm pretty sure my response would have been, Nah, you know, I would have blown it off. I'd have said, no, no, that's not possible. Lockdowns, are you kidding me? Like masks all the time, are you kidding me? No, that's not going to happen. Or if, I'd had, if I had dared to believe you, if I had actually thought, well, actually, they're making a good, this person seems to know what they're talking about. They're from the future after all, so they're telling me this, so maybe I should listen. I think I would have been scared out of my mind if you told me everything that was about to happen, that... that the whole country was going to shut down for months on end, that we'd be homeschooling our kids, that we'd be wearing masks two years later, that we'd be have all these things going on and all the disruption, all the, the, the uh, chaos that's happened over the last few years. And I would have been really worried about how I was going to survive all that, how my family was going to survive all that. I mean, we, you know, family of four or family of six in a, in, a, in a small home doing homeschooling for months on end. I mean, how are we going to survive that? How's this church going to survive that when we can't meet together on Sundays? What, how on earth are we going to survive? But here we are, almost two years into a global pandemic, and wow, what a two years it's been, has it not? And, uh, you know, it's been two years of, of uncertainty and unrest and disruption and political and economic turbulence. And, you know, as I was looking at that picture, I just thought, man, I would pay some good money to go back to 2019 and just to go back to the life that, that we had then of just not having to deal with all that has come upon the earth in the last couple of years. And I think a lot of us feel the same, am I right? 
I mean, we're just fed up, right? Two years of this. And, you know, coming out of this, you know, when, when Omicron hit, I was like, you know, uh, well, probably won't, you know, we've had other variants before, but now, like, we've had case numbers like we've never seen before. It's just crazy all the twists and turns that we've been through over the last few years, and, and I think we could be forgiven for being a little fed up with it all, ready to just get back to normal. But what if, this is kind of a, a scary thought, what if this is the new normal? What if we're not going to get back to the, the good old days of 2019 of life before the pandemic? I mean, what if, even if the, the, the pandemic kind of eases off and the restrictions ease off, the, the issues that have come up in 2020 and 2021 carry on into the future, and, the, and the, I think a lot of these things are going to be with us through 2022. They're going to be with us in 2023. The impact of what we've experienced the last two years is going to carry on far into the future, not to mention what, what else is going to come that we're not yet, we've not yet encountered? What other hardships are going to come down our way? Maybe it's a political thing. Maybe it's an economic thing. Maybe there's, there's uh, you know, personal crises. Maybe there's a uh, crisis in our city or in your workplace or, or in your family. But what if this is the new normal? I hate to say it, but I think a lot of the uncertainty, a lot of the unrest, a lot of the disruption and the destabilization that we've been experiencing the last few years are likely to continue for the foreseeable future. And, and we don't know what else is going to come our way. And, and I don't know about, it sounds like, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I hate to, to ask those kind of uncomfortable questions, but I think it's important for us to wrestle with. And those might be scary thoughts for you this morning. Because you might be thinking, Todd, you know, I've just barely made it through the last few years. I'm just barely hanging on here today. And the thought of this going on for another year, another two years, another decade, I don't think I could handle that. Which is why I want to talk about how to survive the storm. I want to ask this question this morning. How are you going to survive the storm? How are you going to survive all the uncertainty, all the unrest, all the disruption, all the destabilization that we're experiencing? Or maybe a better question to ask is, how are you going to thrive in the storm? Is it possible, even if things don't get back to normal, for us to not just endure, for us to not just survive, which is an accomplishment in and of itself, but to actually thrive? I think it is. But how do we do that? How do we thrive in the storm? That's what I want to talk about this morning, is what it means to thrive in the midst of the storm. Now, to answer this question of how we thrive in the storm, I think it's important for us to understand what our normal, everyday, natural responses are to storms. You know, well, how do we normally respond to adversity and crisis if we're just, you know, kind of left to ourselves? We need to understand this because these are going to be the, the gravitational pull for all of us, and I'm sure you've been experiencing these over the last few years, these, these things I'm going to highlight, but, but these are the gravitational pull. This is the natural response to adversity, to storms in your life, and we need to understand what those things are because we have to actually resist those. We have to overcome those. So I want to highlight three different responses that we have naturally to storms in our lives. And the first one uh, is probably pretty obvious to you, and it's anxiety. Anxiety, worry, fear. You know, when we encounter storms in our lives, 
The most natural thing for us to do is to worry and to fret and to be anxious and to wonder how we're going to get through it all. And over the last few years, I just feel like anxiety and fear has just been in the air. You know, people are just, especially, remember March of 2020 when this whole thing hit and we didn't really understand how things, what, what this was and the impact it was going to have and, you know, all these unprecedented events are happening. And, and do you remember just the, the, the sense of fear? It was like palpable in the culture. And I definitely don't think that's totally lifted off of us. I think maybe it's a little bit less now, but, but we're still feeling it. And I remember, you know, for me, when the pandemic hit, I was actually um, uh, in Israel on a tour of the Holy Land. And our tour got shut down, so I had lots of time to just uh, sit in my hotel room and think and worry, and I got as anxious as I think I've ever been in my entire life. I mean, I thought, you know, I was here, my family, or my, I was in Israel, my family was here, and I, and I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get home? I mean, they're canceling flights left and right. What if my family gets COVID and I'm stuck here? What do I do then? Uh, what, what if I get COVID? <laughs> Oh no, I just coughed. I probably have COVID. I'm going to die in an Israeli hospital all by myself. And pretty soon, just that catastrophic thinking just snowballed. And I was like on the verge of an anxiety attack right there. I mean, and the pandemic was only a few weeks old at that point. I think a lot of us have experienced the same thing. We, we, we have just these snowballing effects of anxiety. But here's the thing. Jesus told us, that anxiety won't help us. He actually put it this way. He asked the question, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? He's like, guys, you're worrying, you're stressed, you're anxious, but it's actually not going to lengthen your life at all. It's, it's, it's not helpful at all. I heard somebody say once that worry is like uh, sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. That's worry. It's, it's not productive. It's not helpful. So that's our first natural response to anxiety. Our second one is anger. <laughs> I mean, is it just me, or does it seem like people have shorter fuses these days? I mean, before the, uh, the pandemic, I mean, back in 2019, I'm making light of it like there was no problems. I would say before the pandemic, we were already living in a culture of outrage, I mean, you could experience that when you go out on the streets or when you're driving, you see, you see the outraging people, you see, uh, you see it on social media for sure, you see it in our national discourse, especially around politics. I mean, we were already living in an age of outrage, but then the pandemic hit and it just turned all that up to 11, right? I mean, there is uh, heated conversations, it's very hard to have a conversation about what you think about vaccines and vaccine passports and masks and schools and whatever else is going on with this whole thing without getting into a major argument with somebody. And I feel like this, this whole anger thing has, has, has affected all of us. I mean, I felt it myself um, over the holidays. My family and I flew back to America to be with my family for Christmas. And um, traveling with little ones, uh, traveling with four kids, especially one who's five years old, can be a challenge uh, without a pandemic, but it is extra challenging now. You've got all your COVID tests that you got to do that are expensive and time-consuming. You got to wear masks for like eight hours on a flight. That's a, that's a fun day. And then, and then you've got all these forms to fill out. And, and when I got to the end of my trip, I was filling out all my 
the dreaded passenger locator forms for my family on the way back, and I was trying to upload my vaccine passport that they were asking for to this form, but this government-issued vaccine passport wouldn't, be, they wouldn't, uh, the, the government website wouldn't receive it. It's like, we don't recognize this. Well, of course you don't, right? I mean, you just, you issued it yourself, but I was getting, after 30 minutes of this, I was like ready to throw my phone through a window. I was on the verge of a meltdown, and I was like, whoa, 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 what is going on? Why are you so worked up about all this. I think the reason that we have shorter fuses, the the reason we react to anger, and and actually I think anger and anxiety are two sides of the same coin, you know? Uh, They're they're both an attempt to seize control. (laughs) You know, we feel the loss of control, and, and what happened when that pandemic hit is it just blew apart, it just decimated the illusion that we're in control of things. And we, we've become painfully aware of how little control we have over our lives, and so we choose one of two solutions. We worry, and we think, well, maybe I can anticipate that disaster coming and figure out a way around it. Or we get angry about it, and we think, if I can just be angry enough, I can kind of force a better outcome than maybe what I'm experiencing right now. So anger and anxiety, two sides of the same coin. And anger, you know, it always feels justified in the moment. You know, when anger hits you, man, you feel like, I'm right, like, uh, I need to be angry about this. But, but remember what James says. James, the brother of Jesus, he says this, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so anger is, is a dead end as well. It, it doesn't help solve this problem that we're facing. But there's a third way that we respond to adversity in our lives, and that is escape. We check out. You know, we we experience pain, we experience stress, and and we're looking for some way to numb or ease the pain, and so we look for ways of escape. And this can take all kinds of forms, And, and they're socially acceptable forms, you know, like zoning out in front of the TV when you get home from work, uh, binging on Netflix, maybe indulging in a really great meal. Uh, maybe doing DIY in your home, uh, fantasizing about a vacation, you know, uh, uh, maybe taking a luxurious holiday, maybe indulging in some retail therapy. All of these are ways of escaping. I I heard a podcast recently where this guy was talking about um, a story he heard about this, a friend of his who was a petrol head who who, uh, happened to work next to a Lamborghini dealership. And he's a petrol head, so he, you know, appreciated Lamborghinis, and occasionally he'd go over on, on the shop floor and just look at these amazing cars, even though he probably know, he would never afford one himself. But then he noticed after a while that, that, that the Lamborghini dealership was empty. There were no cars in the dealership. And he, he's like, oh, no, this, this place that I, I like to, you know, that little mini escape of just looking at these cars was going to go away. And so he saw one of the salesmen and said, listen, it seems like you guys are closing down. I'm really sorry. I'm sad to see you go. And, and the salesman said, what are you talking about? He laughed and said, business is as good as it's ever been. I, I, can't, I can't keep cars in stock. I'm selling them so quickly. They're just, as soon as we get them in, they go straight back out the door again. And it's a symptom. People have, have lost that, that sense of, uh, they, they're in pain, they're in stress, they, all the things that have happened, they, they start hungering for something to, to ease the pain. I think, you know, escape isn't always such a bad thing. I think deep down in our hearts, we know that life is not as it should be. This life is not as we were meant to be. We have, I think, a, a, a subconscious memory of Eden, 
And there's something in us that's always trying to get back to there. And I think these guys are going out, I'm assuming they're guys, might be ladies as well, going out and buying these Lamborghinis because there's something about that that is their Eden heart, longing to get back to that place. So we have socially acceptable forms of, of escape, but we also have much darker forms of escape. I mean, that could be, you know, things like over, over using uh, alcohol or uh, uh, getting into drugs or, or having an affair or getting into porn or, um, you know, there's uh, even suicide can be a form of escape. All of these things are different ways that we respond to stress, to the storms of our life. We can go, to, to go down the road of anger or anxiety or escape. Now, all of us probably do some of these things at different points. I mean, all of us have probably chosen these roads, these, these, uh, these different uh, uh, responses during the course of the pandemic, but I would say probably all of us have a leaning towards one, one that we go to most often. So just let me ask you a question for a moment. So thinking of the last two years, which of these has been your tendency your natural go-to, if, if the storm hits you, if things are getting stressed, you see the news and you're like, oh no, another variant, oh no, this economic thing's happening, oh no, Boris has done this again, or whatever, whatever it is that stresses you out, where do you go? Do you go towards anger? Are you just simmering with rage on the inside, just looking for an outlet? Are, are, are you just consumed by anxiety, paralyzed by fear? Or do you just check out? You just want to just check out, you want to binge on something, you want to just, just completely forget about everything else that's going on and just try to find a little bit of peace, a little bit of sauce, a little bit of numbness and relief from the stress you've been feeling. Where, where do you go? Where, where do your friends go? Where does your family go? Where do you see our culture going? You see all of these responses in our culture right now, and I think it's really helpful to maybe just kind of look at life through this grid right now. When you see people freaking out on on social media, maybe just ask them, is that a, or ask yourself, is this an anxiety response? Is this an anger response? Is this just they're wanting to check out? What, what's happening here? I think it's helpful for us to understand that these are our natural responses as people. But my question is, are these our only three options? Is there a better way? <laughs> How can we respond in such a way where, where these things don't dominate us? I'm, I'm not going to pretend that these things are just going to magically disappear but how do we not be dominated and ruled by these things? Well, Jesus happens to teach quite a bit on dealing with storms. And he says lots of things about it throughout, throughout the Gospels, but probably the most famous teaching of Jesus when it comes to dealing with the storms of life is the parable uh, that he tells at the end of the Sermon on the Mount about the wise and the foolish builder. I think it's interesting. This is the concluding statement of the Sermon on the Mount. So he preaches this long sermon with lots of content, lots of, lots of instructions, lots of commands, and then he ends it here. Let's read it again. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though, uh, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. 
that Jesus is teaching here about the inevitable what the, the, uh, the inevitable storms of life and how to survive them, how to thrive in them, because storms are going to come, right? Storms are going to come, and storms came long before COVID arrived. Storms are going to come long after it's in the rearview mirror. Storms are going to come. So how do we not just survive, but thrive? in the midst of life. And Jesus says a couple of really interesting things in this passage. And, and what he's saying here is he's making this analogy uh, between uh, two different types of houses. One house has a good foundation, one house does not. And the interesting thing is, we don't know anything about the houses uh, that they looked any different. I, I think looking at these houses on the outside, let's just assume they look pretty much the same. I don't think architecture varied a whole lot in ancient Israel. Uh, so let's just assume they look the same from the outside. You can't tell a difference. The only thing that reveals the difference between the houses and, and the faulty foundation of the one and the strong foundation of the other is when the storms come, when the adversity hits. That's what reveals the strength of the foundation of each house. Thinking about the last couple of years, what has it revealed about your foundation? Have you found it to be strong, secure, secure? I mean, all of us have been shaken. I, you know, it's like when a, when a blast of wind hits your house right now, you, you kind of feel the windows rattle. You, you kind of like, wow, that's, that's, that's a strong storm out there, but the house doesn't fall down. Is that what your experience has been like internally? Has your house stood up in the midst of the storm or has it crumbled a little bit? I think for a lot of us, we found that maybe our foundations were not as strong as we thought they were. But what's the difference between the wise and the foolish builder? Jesus' point here is really quite simple, and there's a difference between the one who's wise and the one that's false. The difference, well, let's look at it again here. It says, next one, <laughs> um, next one, there we go. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. The difference between the wise and the foolish builder is about one thing. It's about obedience to Jesus. I think this is kind of a scary, scary parable because he's saying that it doesn't matter, like both the wise and the foolish builder heard Jesus' teaching, but if we don't apply it, if we don't take it and actually obey what we've heard, if we don't find a way of, of letting it shape our, our values, letting it shape our priorities, letting it shape our behavior, letting it shape our character, then we're no different from the foolish man. It, it's, it doesn't benefit us at all. And that's a scary thought to me that we can know the words of Jesus, we can know his teachings, but we cannot obey it. And, in, and we might have this false sense of security thinking, well, I know the Bible, I know what the gospels say, I know what Jesus teaches, but if we don't apply it to our life, it's of no benefit to us. It's not going to help us. The difference between the wise and the foolish builder, the wise and the foolish person, is obedience to Jesus. It's not enough to simply know Jesus' words. We have to obey. We have to apply what we hear to our lives. So Jesus here, he's, 
He's giving a, a call to discipleship. Remember, we spent the entire autumn talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And, and he's, he's describing the benefits of following him. He's saying, hey, look, if you will build your life on the solid rock of what I'm, on the truth that I am teaching you, then you're going to be able to endure any storm that comes your way. You're going to be able to not just survive it, but you're going to be able to thrive in the midst of it. Jesus is saying, and if we look throughout church history, that's exactly what we see. I mean, think about the book of Acts. We read about the disciples and and the persecution that they experienced and Peter and John being beaten in the Sanhedrin, but they don't back down. They don't crumble under the weight. I mean, imagine a whole nation hating you because of your belief system like that, and, and you're being beaten by the highest powers in the land, and yet they don't crumble under that. They rise up under that, and, and the people that are watching them are like, whoa, these guys have been with Jesus. They recognize Jesus' imprint on their lives. And if you look throughout church history, you see the same thing. I was reading this week about uh, uh, how Christians responded in the Roman world during, the, during various pandemics that they experienced, because obviously this isn't the first pandemic we've had. There's been plenty of pandemics, and it was during the pandemics of the past that, that Christians really distinguished themselves. And historians, Roman, uh, non-Christian uh, historians would write about how these Christians, when everybody else was fleeing the city and, and trying to get away from the plague, the Christians, and abandoned the sick behind, the Christians would stay, and they would take care of the sick, and they would minister to them, and, and even at risk to their own lives. And they did all kinds of things like that. They would take in abandoned children. They would take in the, the, the handicapped, the disabled. They would take in uh, 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 the poor. They, the way that they loved people and cared for people and pushed into adversity, ran towards the storms rather than away from the storms, that's what made them stand out to the watching world around them. And that is what most people believe contributed to Rome uh, becoming a Christian uh, empire in the end. It led greatly to the expansion of Christianity in Europe. And it's because these people, they had their, their lives built on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. They knew this life wasn't all there was. They, they, they were able to make put other people and consider them more valuable than themselves. And as they did that, this kind of extraordinary love and living out the Christian life, being disciples of Jesus and living that out in, a, in the midst of a storm was what won people over. And I'm sure we could just keep naming example after example. Think of some of the the Christians that you admire, the, the, the great men and women of God. What's great about them is not just their gifting. Their gifting might be great, but what's more, what's more extraordinary is the way that they persevered through the storms and didn't give up and continued to love God and to love people in an extraordinary way. See, what we're after is, in the Christian life is not a life that's free of storms. We're after a life that's built on the solid foundation of Jesus that can't be can't be flattened by the storms that we encounter in this life. So, discipleship, it's about hearing. It's not, it's not just about hearing, it's about doing. It's about obeying what God has called you to do. It's about, it's about walking with Him, listening to Him, hearing His voice, and obeying the leadership of Jesus in your life. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And that's what allows you to endure through the storms. So my question for you as we conclude today is, what is the place of obedience for you in this coming year? You know, I could 
stand up here and say, hey, let's all become more devoted, fully wholehearted disciples of Jesus in 2022, and that's a great rally cry, but, but actually it's not very effective. You know, they teach you when you make goals and you're trying to change your life, you got to get specific. What is it about, what, what does it mean for you to become a more wholehearted disciple of Jesus in 2022? Or another way of asking that is, what is the place of obedience for you in the year ahead? Because if we're honest, there's, there's all kinds of places we need to work on. All kinds of issues that, that if God just sort of, you know, showed us everything that, that was wrong with us, we would be completely overwhelmed. We'd give up. But God, in His mercy, tends to just put His finger on one or two things at a time. He, he wants to highlight something in your life. And, and if you could change one thing in this year, what would it be? What, what is God putting His finger on? Is it, is it that you need to forgive people? who have wounded you, and you're carrying around bitterness and resentment, and it's just poisoning your relationships? If you could change one thing, would it be that maybe you need to be, learn how to be more generous with your finances? Maybe it's that you need to go and repent to people who you have hurt because you realize there's a trail of broken relationships behind you. Maybe it's learning how to share your faith. Maybe it's learning how to pray in this year, really learning how to pray. Maybe it's actually understanding the Word instead of just having, you know, questions about the Bible and kind of shrugging your shoulders. Maybe it's time to really dig in and understand and grapple with the Word of God in a way that you never have before. Maybe it's learning how to care for your spouse better. Maybe it's learning how to parent your children in a way that's not just you know, uh, reacting to the situation, but actually being intentional with their lives. I mean, I could go on and on. There's so many places of obedience. They're, they're really infinite. So the question that I want you to ask yourself is, where do I need to obey right now? What has God got his finger on in my life? What is my response of obedience? And if I could just change one thing in this year, what would it be? Now, to help you with this, we have created a uh, questionnaire that we are going to uh, text out to you at the end of the service if you're on our, our uh, phone list, or you can, uh, we'll send it out in the email uh, this week if you're on our email list. Or if you're watching online, you get an advantage. The link to it is already in the description. You can start taking this right now. And, and there, it's, it's an anonymous questionnaire, three questions long. And what I want you to do is just to, we've created this to help you, first of all, to reflect on what it is that you want to pursue in this year, how you can become more like Jesus in 2022. How do you, what's the place of obedience for you? It also helps us to know where's God moving in our church? How is he leading our church right now? And how can we help equip the church with our teaching and with our equipping to actually become more like Jesus in this year? So it's, it's helping you and it's helping us. And I just want to encourage you to take that survey, maybe tonight when you've got some quiet space, or tomorrow morning, or sometime this week, and actually just sit there with God, look over, there's several options on each question that you can consider. You might, it might not, it's not comprehensive, so you might have to come up, you might have something else that's not on the list, but ask God, what is it that you're putting your finger on in my life? How can I become more like you in this year? How can I build my life more on the solid rock of Christ Jesus in the year ahead? So as we face this uncertain future, as we you know, go, you know, who knows where things are going to go from here? Who knows what challenges are in front of you? And to be honest, I mean, there's all kinds of things we can worry about. But rather than approaching the future with fear and trepidation, rather than, than lashing out in anger, rather than just saying, I'm checking out and I'm just going to escape all of this, what if we pressed into Jesus 
in the days ahead? What if we built our life on the solid rock? What if we were the wise builders that, that not only hear Jesus' teaching, but put it into practice in our lives? You see, I don't know what's going to come your way, but Jesus does. And his promise is that he is going to be with us even until the end of the age. And he's going to strengthen us. He's going to give us courage. He's going to give us uh, guidance and counsel. He's going to comfort us when we need it. He's going to be with you. There is no better place for us to run with all of our worries and all of our fears in the storms of life than to Jesus. So this year, let's not just kind of continue as normal in our Christian life. Let's be intentional about building our lives on the firm foundation, the solid rock of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that we don't have to fear the storms of life, but we can approach with confidence anything that comes our way as long as we're walking with you. Thank you, Lord, that, that you give us a firm foundation to stand on, a solid and secure foundation that allows us to thrive even in the midst of adversity. Lord, I pray for each one of us that as we look to the year ahead and as we say, how is this year going to be different? Lord, I pray that we wouldn't approach it with fear and anxiety or anger or trying to escape, but instead that we would approach it with a resolve in our hearts to be wholly yours. And Lord, I pray that you would show each one of us, those here and those watching online, every place where you have your finger on our lives right now, every step of obedience that you're wanting us to take in 2022. And God, may we look more like you at the end of this year. Jesus, may we be more like you at the end of this year than we are at the beginning. It's in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.